Greetings, students. As always, this is Professor Totten, and welcome to the History of the American People to 1877. Today's lecture is entitled, Diversity in the Middle Colonies. Please follow along on the PowerPoint as I speak, and turn to the first slide, Back in England. Thus far, we've talked about four English colonies. Virginia, established in 1607. Plymouth Colony, settled in 1620, which was later incorporated into Massachusetts, which was settled in the 1630s, and Maryland, settled in 1634. Some of you may have been asking, well, what is going on in England during all of this? Well, there was a series of political crises which ultimately culminated in the English Civil War, which raged from 1642 to 1651. It technically occurred in three stages, but we need not go into that amount of detail. Suffice it to say that the Royalists, or Cavaliers, were pitted against Parliamentarians, or Roundheads. The conflict was nominally over where the power resided, either in the King or in Parliament. In the end, the Roundheads won, and King Charles I was executed on January 30th, 1649. In the aftermath, Oliver Cromwell's Puritan dictatorship called the Protectorate followed from 1653 to 1658. During this time, there was little immigration to the Americas, and in the aftermath, the Restoration occurred in 1660 when King Charles II was restored to the throne. However, as we will see later, the Stuarts will not learn their lesson and later cause the Glorious Revolution as the Stuarts are ejected from England and replaced by William of Orange and Mary. The effects of the Civil War on the colonies were numerous. As I said before, it halted immigration. Next, it prevented aid being given to Virginia during the Third Powhatan War. It divided colonial loyalties. It reduced commerce. Many volunteers returned to England. Raiding occurred in the colonies. The New England Confederation was strengthened and the Restoration will later target colonial self-governance. Please advance to the next slide, entitled, Reasserting Control. A continuity of American history is that people always try to get things for as cheap as possible, and illegally if necessary. Thus, Americans smuggle in goods from the Dutch at cheaper costs in great numbers. And the British dislike this because it violates mercantilism. So as a result, the British pass the Navigation Acts, which begins in 1651 and is later strengthened in 1660 and 1663. The Navigation Acts stated that only English ships could trade with a colony, and it created a series of what were called enumerated commodities, which is a protectionist system to yield higher revenues through custom duties. And this will vastly grow British trade tonnage, shipbuilding, and increase their revenues and commerce complexity. Another way to reassert control is to give formal recognition to the towns that expanded beyond Massachusetts, thereby limiting the power of those supposedly subversive Puritans. Connecticut received its first royal charter in 1662, Rhode Island in 1663, in New Hampshire in 1679. Now, let us transition to the middle colonies of New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, and New York. Please advance to the next slide entitled, 
New Netherlands. New Netherlands was the name of the Dutch colony in the Hudson River Valley. The capital of the colony was New Amsterdam on the island of Manhattan. The city became a massive trading center that did business with the Iroquois, the Susquehannock, and many English colonies that wanted cheaper products. Now, the Dutch trade with the Pequot in guns had stemmed the flow of English settlers from New England into Connecticut. But with the Pequot gone, the Dutch gave up on their claim to Connecticut, and English colonists continued to settle the area and hem in the Dutch. One of the lesser-known ventures in American history is of New Sweden. The colony was made up of small farms and villages along both banks of the Delaware River, despite resistance from natives who claimed that they never ceded such large swaths of territory to New Sweden. Ultimately, the Swedish project failed due to mismanagement and later, the conquest of New Netherlands. And New Netherlands incorporated New Sweden into their Delaware River Valley colony. The people remained and were allowed to have their own court systems, religious toleration, organize their militia, trade with natives, and maintain their land. And the longest cultural impact was the creation of log cabins, a finished design that revolutionized settlement in the New World. So whenever you think of a traditional log cabin on the frontier of America, that is a Finnish invention. Now as you should see, New Netherlands was never homogeneous, and multiple languages were spoken. Slavery was introduced to the region in 1625 with 11 slaves as farmers and builders. But slaves did have some rights. They could keep their families intact. They were baptized. They could testify in court sign documents, and bring civil actions against whites. However, later English rule will roll these freedoms back. Women also had more rights in Dutch America. Women kept their last names. They could issue paternity suits and force a marriage if a child was born, or they could get a dowry and child support if the man was already married. Prenuptial agreements protected women's property in marriages. Women could choose dependency relationships, but had to agree to it. Women could own property and engage in business ventures, as there was no coverture in New Amsterdam. And women could have multiple occupations, including being physicians. However, this would not last, as the English took the colony in 1664 in a relatively bloodless conquest. Coverture will be asserted, which will strip women of businesses and forbid them from giving testimony or filing lawsuits in open court. The colony will be renamed to New York after the Duke of York, and as I said before, rights for women and slaves will be rolled back. The point again is that we see examples of toleration and accommodation as paths not taken by the English, so it was not destined that women should be second-class citizens, or natives should be expelled and attacked, or African Americans should be slaves. People made choices, and those choices shaped history. What choices can you make to make your society better? Maybe that's something to think about. Please advance to the next slide, entitled Jersey. Prior to European settlement, the Lenape were one of many tribes that lived in modern-day New Jersey. You should recall that New Amsterdam, the Dutch colony in modern-day New York, had gobbled up New Sweden before being conquered in the Second Anglo-Dutch War in 1665. 
Prior to this, European settlement in modern-day New Jersey was sparse. This changed when the Duke of York gave a large chunk of land to two men who established New Jersey. These were given in two separate gifts, in 1673 and 1682. West Jersey was dominated by English settlers, and East Jersey was dominated by Scottish settlers. By 1700, a total of 14,000 people lived in the colony, and it was very multi-ethnic, as it was the home of Swedes, Finns, Dutch, Quakers, Scots, and English settlers. In 1702, East and West Jersey were merged into a single royal colony of New Jersey. But this colony will be politically and economically overshadowed by New York and Pennsylvania. Please advance to the next slide entitled, Pennsylvania. The settlers of Pennsylvania will be quite different from other settlers as they are mostly Quakers, which is a Protestant minority. Some mock this group by calling them Quakers because they, quote, trembled at the word of the Lord, end quote. Quaker society was unique. They had no liturgy or clergy. The Society of Friends had no church hierarchy, just communities of followers who experienced the word of God together. Women were treated as equals. They could own property and speak in prayer meetings. The Quakers were also practicing anti-slavery, as they believed that the Bible was explicit in its condemnation of slavery. Quakers had been persecuted in England, as the Stuarts were closet Catholics, and Anglicans dislike any critique of their religion. Also, many people did not trust the Quakers since they were pacifists. And pacifists do not use violence, which makes them suspect. Are they truly loyal to the king, since they won't fight? Pennsylvania will be founded by William Penn, and Penn was extremely wealthy and respected. And this colony was a proprietary colony, like Maryland, so it was his personal possession. Penn was part of the religious group of the Society of Friends, the Quakers. Well, when King Charles gifted this area to William Penn, he insisted that he call it either Pennsylvania or Penn's Woods. Penn welcomed all religions to his colony as long as they believed in God. And Penn purchased the land from the natives in fair treaties for fair prices. Or at least, relatively so, considering the era. Quakers believed that they were guided by an inner light. And between 1682 to 1686, 8,000 Quakers and other religions emigrated to the colony. And most of these people were of the middling sort meaning they came in families and they brought with them property, making it different from Virginia. This colony quickly became self-reproducing, as by 1700, there were 18,000 people living in the colony. The capital of the colony was Philadelphia, nicknamed the City of Brotherly Love on the Delaware River. Please advance to the next slide, entitled The Lower Counties. Penn had also been granted a large swath of territory in modern-day Delaware, but this essentially became a separate colony in 1704, because many of the settlements in this part of Delaware were made up by non-Quakers, so it was called the Lower Counties, differentiating itself from Quaker Pennsylvania. Like Pennsylvania and New York, this was a multi-ethnic region of Swedes, Finns, 
Dutch, and English. But it was less economically and military secure, and it needed protection from New York against natives from the South and to the West. As I said before, in 1704, it technically separated from Pennsylvania, as it had a separate legislature, but a common appointed governor. Southern Delaware, as we will see, becomes more similar to the Chesapeake, as English settlers in their African property form a type of plantation agriculture in the region. But the rest of Delaware will be dominated by small farms and by more urban commercial pursuits. So the point is that by the 18th century, English America is more diverse than we typically think. English colonies were typically more prosperous and stable than both the Spanish and the French colonies. We can ask ourselves why. One possibility is that England, because of the various reasons we stated, allowed its colonies more self-government than did the Spanish or French crowns. And so maybe this created innovation in the English colonies. Another explanation is that there is great variation in the English colonies, which allows for regional strengths and weaknesses. The point I want you to take away is how these colonies will be so different from one another, and thus how all the more remarkable it will be that they are able to unite together during the revolution against the British. And as a general rule, New England is economically diverse and prosperous, more homogeneous in its population, but not tolerant of non-Puritans. The South is more rural, with a slave-based society, no economic diversification, relatively homogeneous in its population of Africans and English, and without much emphasis on religion. And by contrast, the middle colonies are more diverse, prosperous, tolerant, and have diversified economies, while some practice slavery. Well, that is all I have for you for today. I hope you're all staying safe and making smart decisions. Thank you very much, and have a wonderful day. I'll see you next time.